wherever Stella is, there she comes. Today I'm going to be reading Ruth chapter 2. Ruth, uh, no, 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 wait. There was a relative of Naomi's husband, a man of great wealth, of the family of Elimelech. His name was Boaz. So Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, Please let me go to the field and glean heads of grain after him, in whose sight I may find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. Then she left and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was with the family of Elimelech. Now behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his servant, who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? So the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered and said, It is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. And she said, Please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and has, <coughs> has continued from morning until now, though she rested a little in the house. Then Boaz said to Ruth, You will not listen, my daughter, will you not? Do not go to glean in another field, nor go from here, but stay close by my young women. Let your eyes be on the field which they reap, and go after them. Have I not commanded the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink from what the young men have drawn. So she fell on her face, bowed down to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? And Boaz answered and said to me, said to her, It has been fully reported to me that wait, all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, and how you have left your father and your mother and the land of your birth, and have come to a people whom you did not know before. The Lord repay your work, and a full reward be given you by the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings you have come for refuge. Then she said, Let me find favor in your sight, my Lord, for you have comforted me and have spoken kindly to your maidservant, though I am not like one of your maidservants. That now Boaz said to her at mealtime, Come here and eat of the bread, and dip your piece of, the bre of bread in the vinegar. So she sat beside the reapers, and he passed parched grain to her, and she ate and was satisfied and kept some back. And when she rose up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. Also let her grain, also let grain from bundles fall purposely for her. Leave it that she may glean, and do not rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening, and beat out what she had gleaned. And it was about an ephah of barley. Then she took it up and went into the city, and her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. So she bought out and gave to her what she had kept back after she had been satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, Where have you gleaned today? And where did you work? Blessed be the one who took notice of you. So she, so she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, 
The man's name with whom I have whom I work today is Boaz. Then Naomi said to her daughter in law, Blessed be he of the Lord who has not forsaken his kindness to the living and the dead. And Naomi said to her, This man is a relation of ours, one of our close relatives. Ruth the Moabitess said, He also said to me, You shall stay close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young woman, and that the people do not meet you in any other field. So she stayed close to the young woman of Boaz to glean until the end of barley harvest and wheat harvest and dwelt with her mother-in-law. Thank you, Stella. Appreciate you doing it a lot. That is a lot to read. You may be seated. Uh, Stella, you did a great job. Elimelech is a hard name sometimes to, you know. And uh, we are midway point and really. Uh, next week, we will conclude the book because chapters 3 and 4 flow together so well. Um, but by way of an overview, uh, chapter 1, if you were with us, you remember Ruth made a decision to return to Bethlehem, Israel with Naomi and to leave all things behind and to follow God in uncertainty. Ruth was willing, we noted that she was willing to forsake the Moabite gods she grew up with to embrace the gods of the God of Israel. She had decided to follow the Lord and to serve her mother-in-law, Naomi, whose loving witness was the one that led her to that decision. And we noted the importance of making a decision, making a mark to say, Lord, I'm going to follow you. This is, the, this is my line in the sand. I'm going to follow you. Though none go with me, still I will follow you, Lord. And so Naomi, her husband, Elimelech, their sons had left Bethlehem to go to Moab. That's where Malon and Chilion had married Moabite women. And they had intended to stay just a short time, but it turned into 10 years. They left because there was a famine in the land. And we noted that this was in the days of Judges. We're told right off at the bat on chapter chapter 1, verse 1, uh, this was during those days. And if you remember, and if you've read through the book of Judges, it was a time when there was no king in Israel and people did what they wanted to do. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And so God had warned them and famine in the land meant that Israel as a nation was not being obedient unto the Lord. We looked at Deuteronomy chapter 11, 13 through 17, where God had promised them that if they were faithful and true to him, that they would bring blessings on their land. Um, they would, it would be fruitful. He would cause the, the rain to fall and, and the crops to bloom. But if they were disobedient, if they forsook the Lord and they sought other gods, then God was going to withhold the rain and bring famine. And so this is that time when it happened. In the midst of that time, we have this beautiful love story of Ruth. And it's a reminder to us that no matter how crazy things get, no matter how dark the days may seem, no matter how wild the times may be, that God is still on the throne. And it matters to God what we do, how we live, how we move, 
how we think, how we act, all of those things are noted by God. And we'll see a little bit later in this chapter how Boaz, none of this stuff that Ruth has done for Naomi has, has missed his sight. Boaz being that type of Jesus Christ is, is a reminder for us that none of the good things that we do falls short of, of, the, of the, the eyes of God. He sees. He knows what's going on. He knows our hearts. Before God changes our circumstances, however, he wants to change our hearts. And so we noted that if our circumstances change for the better, but we remain the same, then ultimately we're no better. We become worse. But he's going to use these blessings in Naomi and Ruth's life to bring about a change of countenance for, for Naomi and a change of status for Ruth. God's purpose, we noted also, for our life is not to make us comfortable. It's to make us conformable. He's doing a work in you. He's doing a work in me. He wants us to be more like his son Jesus. And so he allows things to come. And so we can be like Naomi, who's, who become bitter and, and question God. Or we, we can become like Ruth, who makes that decision to say, you know what? Even though things are bad, and I know that they're, they're potentially not going to be good, they're potentially going to be worse, I'm still going to trust God, and I'm going to follow after him. And as I said, Naomi had the blessings that are going to come uh, through, through Ruth's decisions. It's going to, going to bring, a, bring a change. Now, we noted also that Naomi hasn't lost her faith in God through this all. Even though that she went out and she said, I went out rich and I came back poor. I went out full, she says, and I came back empty. Even though she lost so much. She did not lose her faith in God. But what she lost was her faith in the goodness of God. Thank you, Sarah, for that song. We have a good, good father. May we not lose sight of that he is a good, good father. We just finished, my wife and I, going through um, Genesis. And, and we're, we're now in um, Exodus. But in our daily devotions, and we had that whole thing with Joseph and his, with his brothers. And after Jacob had died, their father Israel, they were concerned, the brothers were concerned because they knew what they had done to Joseph by selling him into slavery. And Joseph assures them, no, you know, you meant this for evil, but God meant it for good. And that's always the way things work. If you're in Christ, you can trust that the things that come into our path, they may be evil, they may be, be bad circumstances, but God has a way of making good and bringing good out of them. So, as I said, God's begun this work in Ruth's life that's going to lead to greater blessings. And so, as we get ready for chapter 2, let's go ahead and pray. And once again, Father, we thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for, for the truth, Lord, that you have preserved for us, Lord God. Lord... These words are spiritual, Lord. And if they just hit our head, Lord, 
if they don't penetrate to bring enlightenment to our soul, if they don't penetrate to bring a change in our life or greater understanding of who you are and your love for us and our, and our commitment to you, Lord, then it's worth nothing, Lord. Lord, the universities are filled with, with educators that know this book, but they do not know you, Lord God. And we don't want to be leaving this place today with just having our head filled with knowledge and information. We want to connect with you today, Lord. So, Lord, would you just speak to us, Lord. May our hearts receive all that you have for us today, Lord. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts, Lord, be acceptable in your sight. You are our Lord, our rock, our redeemer, and we love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. So in chapter two, we really get a glimpse of the life of the poor in ancient Israel. And I can imagine that as Naomi and Ruth are making that trek back to Bethlehem, leaving Moab, the conversation probably went something along the lines of, you know, Ruth asking, well, what can we expect? I've never been to Israel. What can we expect there? You know, and Naomi saying, look, it's going to be a hard life. I don't have any promises for you. I, I, we, he, she had already said, I, I, I can't give you children. I can't give you riches. It's only going to be harder from this point on. And when we left in chapter one at the end, Naomi and Ruth were living in Bethlehem. Again, we noted there was no specific details. We don't know where they were living was this in Naomi's house but that she had before and they saved it for her or is this somebody just in the kindness of their own heart opened up a place for them? We don't know, but they, they're making their way through life together. And Naomi is probably telling her, there is a provision in the law for widows, for orphans and for the strangers that they can glean, we can glean, we can get food, and so we can sustain ourselves. Indeed, it was, it was laid down in the law that at harvest time, a person, a man, that he should not reap the, 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 his land to the very border, nor should he pick up what was left after the reapers. And I think we, we skimmed a little bit of this last time in Leviticus 19. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and read Leviticus 19, 9 and 10. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not wholly reap the corners of your field, nor shall you gather the gleanings of your harvest, and you shall not glean your vineyard, nor shall you gather every grape of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and for the stranger. I am the Lord your God. If he had forgot a sheaf or left it in the field, you know, he wasn't supposed to go back. He was supposed to just keep going. And again, when Deuteronomy 24 says, when you reap your land, this is 24:19. when you reap your harvest in your field and forget a sheaf in the field, you shall not go back to get it. It shall be for the stranger, for the fatherless and the widow that your Lord, your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. So in such a way, these are the certain provisions that were provided for them the poor and it was a wonderful way of helping the poor to provide for themselves and yet to help them to remain dignity you know have remain a shredded dignity so to speak um, 
Ruth and Naomi, obviously very poor, and it was well for them, it was providential that they arrived at the harvest time. It enabled them to get some food right away. You know, the provision was made for the stranger, for the fatherless and the widow. Boy, Ruth fit all three of these, didn't she? And God was providing for her, and he will provide through her for Naomi. And, and we'll quickly skim. We looked at one, chapter 2, 1 and verse, three, verse 1 through 3. Pardon me. Let me take a quick sip. Uh, last week. And so we'll kind of skim through this and we'll jump, uh, jump ahead to 4 in just a second. Pardon me there. So we know Naomi has a relative. It says that there was a relative of Naomi's husband, a man of great wealth and of the family of Elimelech. His name was Boaz. So Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, please let me go to the field and glean heads of grain after him in whose side I may find favor. And she said, go, my daughter. Then, he, then she left and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to that part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech. So Naomi has this relation. We don't know how he was related. Perhaps a cousin, perhaps a, a nephew of, of Elimelech, but there was a relation there. Um, and his name was Boaz. We noted that his name meant his, his, in him is strength. And we talked about the great qualities that he has, where it says that he was a man of, um, th that he went, uh, excuse me, uh, who was, uh, sorry, a great wealth. We noted that that meant that he was a mighty man of valor. He was like a knight in shining armor, if you will, and that's what one of the commentators said. He had all those, those qualities, those character qualities. Indeed, he's going to be that knight in shining armor for Ruth um, because he was a capable pillar in his community. He knew all things, and we see that in a few, in a few verses down where he knows all about what happened to Naomi and how Ruth had ministered to her. It was also, a, 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 we noted that Elimelech had left to pursue food in Moab and Boaz had stayed and God had blessed him in the promised land by staying where Elimelech lost everything, including his life. And it reminds us that sometimes you know, we can justify wrong choices because of difficult circumstances. God says, no, just trust me. He will tell us if it's time to move. He will tell us. He will lead us. But until then, trust him. And so, again, Ruth doesn't make any, you know, she just, she just jumps right in and says, let me go glean. Not, okay, Naomi, what do we do now? Shall we go glean? No, she says, let me go glean. The in, in, indication here, or the implication is, Naomi, let me glean. You stay. Let me do this for us. And Naomi doesn't argue with her. She knows Ruth is determined. And, it, and then again, we noted that she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz. It seemed like it was just a coincidence. But we see the providential hand of God in that. 
For Ruth, there was that element of uncertainty, but on the other side, there was the providential dealing of Almighty God. And one of the glorious things as we go through this world today is to know that our times are in his hands. There's no such thing as a coincidence for the child of God. God knows. He's marked all of our days. I love how it says in, in Psalms that he, he capes every tears of his child in a bottle. He knows our way. And he is with us and he guides us. And he is speaking all the time. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. They know me. The question isn't, isn't, is, God, isn't is God speaking to me? Is God leading me? The question is, am I in a place where I can listen to him? Am I willing to listen and follow after him? Well, now we jump into verse 4. So now behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered him, the Lord bless you. The spiritual tone of Boaz and his workers was warm and vigorous. I mean, you could see this was not a, you know, a, the Lord is with you, the, you know. It was, this was a relationship that he had with his workers and faith in the Lord was an active part of their lives. Think of again, this is the time of the judges. You look back and you were looking at the time of judges and you see so much emphasis on the disobedience of the land. You see so much evidence on those that are doing whatever's right in their own eyes. It's so refreshing to know and be reminded that at that time there were still those that clung to the Lord. God still had a remnant that he was working with. It shows us also here in this greeting something of the heart and character of Boaz. Obviously his workers loved him and had a good relationship with him. And you can often tell the real character of a man in authority by seeing how he relates to his staff. I've had a lot of employers in my life uh, outside of the church Every one of the, the pastors that I've been blessed to work with and people in ministry have, have always been a blessing. But outside in the world, I've had a mixed bag and I know you guys have too. You get those that are just like, uh, what's your name again? And then you get others that really truly care and have a concern. So verse five, then Boaz said to his servants, who was in charge of the reapers, whose young woman is this? So the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered and said, it's the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. So Boaz assumes Ruth is some kind of a servant girl. You know, hey, I haven't seen her working. Who is this again? But he doesn't recognize her. And the servant points out, no, this is the one that came back with Naomi. The one that came from Moab. You'll see, by the way, in fact, we were, I was talking to a brother this morning, how many times Moab, Ruth the Moabitess, is emphasized. You'll see that. Um, it, chapter 1, verse 22. Chapter 2, verse 2. Verse 21. Chapter 4, verse 5. Chapter 4, verse 10. Over and over, we're reminded that Ruth 
is not part of Israel, that she is from outside. God, who is the ultimate author behind this, wants to emphasize that this Gentile girl was brought in to his circle, the circle of his own people, and eventually will be part of the royal line. This is a picture for you and I. I don't know if anyone here is of Jewish descent. I know Ted has a little bit in there because he tells us all the time. <laughs> but none of us that to my knowledge were grown up in a, in a Jewish home um, and, and converted, so to speak, became a redeemed Jew and became a messianic in receiving Jesus Christ. I know some that are that way. I have some friends that are that way. Uh, that have done that. But I think for most of us, we're Gentiles. And how important it is to be reminded by the Lord that I have a place for you in my kingdom by seeing what he has done for this woman who was a Moabite, who the people of Israel were forbidden from intermarrying. They were told not to have any, any doings with the Moabites up through the 10th generation. It hasn't been 10 generations we'll see the grace of God in this. And so the servant explains to Boaz in verse 7. She said as she came, please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and has continued from morning until now, though she rested a little in the house. So here we have this picture. Ruth comes, asks permission, can I, can I glean here? She's granted permission, and from early morn until that hour, for whatever reason, Boaz wasn't there in the first part of the day. He comes later. She's, she's, she's been diligent to it. She's been faithfully working. Though she did take a little break in the house, she's been at it. Ruth may not have known it, but she was under inspection, wasn't she? The servant of over the you know the reapers, he was watching, he was taking note. So the supervisor was looking at what kind of job she did, and he was impressed that she did a good job. And the fact that she did a good job was important because it made a good impression on Boaz as well. You know, we got to remember that too, that you and I are under inspection too. We may not realize it. Yes, we're told, we're reminded in 1 in Peter and in Colossians and Ephesians uh, when Paul and, and Peter tell us about, you know, servants, you know, be good stewards, be, be good servants to, to your masters, not with eye service, not just doing good when their eye is on you, but to be a faithful and true worker. And, and we know that co-workers see our actions, see our work, see how we interact with, with people and see how diligently we do our job. We are under inspection constantly. The world is looking to see. They've seen the hypocrites. And, and let, me, let me get this straight for all of us. Every one of us in this room and listening as well are hypocrites. No one is perfect. No one is right fully 100% of the time. We all fall short. Nonetheless, we 
desire and we, we strive to walk so that our yes would be yes and our no would be no and that we would live a life of godliness and righteousness before the Lord because ultimately he is the one that is watching us as well. So verse 8, then Boaz says to Ruth, you will listen, my daughter, will you not? Do not go to glean in another field, nor go from here, but stay close by my young women. Let your eyes be on the field which they reap and go after them. Have I not commanded the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to vessels, to the vessels and drink from what the young men have drawn. You will listen. He calls her my daughter, which is an indication that he is a much older man. Now, we don't know how much older he was. He's probably more than likely closer to Naomi's age than to Ruth's age. And so he has that respectful tone. You're my daughter. Don't go to glean in another field. Now, normally the gleaners, when they would go out, they would go through... The, you, know, you had the barley season and then you had the wheat season and they would go and they and, and the gleaners would would hit the different areas. And so we, they'd hit one area and then, OK, when that field was done, then they'd move to the next field and they'd, they'd uh, minister, you know, get the, the gleanings from there and then they'd go on. And he's saying, no, don't do that. Boaz invites Ruth to glean there throughout the several weeks of harvest. Barley harvest was around March and April, and the wheat, June, July-ish. And then he says, stay close by my young women. These were Boaz's female field workers who tied together the, and cut the stalks. And Boaz said, hey, stay close to them. They're going to take care of you. They're going to watch over you. See, what Boaz was promising to Ruth is that in Boaz's field, Ruth would find companionship among the women. Ruth being an outcast coming from Moab, coming into this strange land to her, the nation of Israel, now she would have companionship. She would interact and get to know these women. And when they saw that the diligent job that she would do, they would be encouraged as well to do a good job. The second thing that, that Boaz knew that in his field, Ruth would find protection. Remember, this is the time when there was no king. Everyone does what they want to do and what's ever right in their own eyes. And there was not a safe haven for widows. There was not a safe haven for young women. They needed the protection of other women, of other men. And so he had instructed his men, don't touch her, don't harass her, don't, don't do that. Be a protection from her. And number three, in Boaz's field, Ruth, Ruth excuse me, would find refreshment. When you're thirsty, go, go take what the men have drawn out. What a wonderful blessing that Ruth is offered by Boaz and what a picture of what God offers to us in his kingdom, in his church. Come. In, in my field, you're going to find companionship. You're going to find fellowship. You're going to find kindred hearts that are there for the same purpose. 
We want to glorify the Lord. We want to lift him up and we want to see his, this world one for Jesus. We want to know him. We want to love him. We want to serve him. And we want to make him known. And there's protection. There's protection in the, in the fellowship as we have brothers and sisters coming alongside. You know, I'm blessed to hear when, when somebody needs something, they're overwhelmed. And, and, I, and I'm blessed and I hear the lady say, well, we're going to go over to your house and, and we're going to clean your house for you because you're overwhelmed. You've got so much stuff to do. We're going to do that for you. We were blessed when we, this last week, when we had uh, the, the memorial, the, the funeral and the, and the memorial after the, the fellowship time, that, that men and women from this church came over and served our family. And it was a blessing. And it was a protection to know we're not alone as well. And there was refreshment. What a blessing God has called us to as a fellowship. So what's Ruth's response? As you and I would have the same response, she fell on her face, verse 10, bowed to the ground and said to him, why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I'm a foreigner? Again, she knows her status. She's not coming in all puffed up and saying, okay, you know, I'm here. I'm taking names and whatever. You know, she is there to serve. She knows she left Moab with nothing. She came to Israel with nothing. Why should she find favor? What a picture of humility. We never see Ruth complaining about her situation or her circumstances. We never, never see her asking why all the hard things have come upon her in her life. Instead, she asks, why the good things? Why are these good things happening? It's a reminder for us. Sometimes we can get overwhelmed and we ask the question, Lord, why do bad things happen to, to good people? And, and we know the answer. You know, indeed, there really are no good people. And the fact that we get any good that comes to us is a gift of grace. It's a gift of God. And that's what she's experiencing here. She knew that because of her national background, she didn't belong. This made Boaz's kindness to her all the more precious. And she had expected, there's an expectation of receiving treatment that was the opposite of this. And so she's overwhelmed. She was a recipient of grace. So she was grateful. She was eager to find out why she'd been singled out for such unusual treatment since she was a stranger, since she was a foreigner. God tells us in his word it's in the book of Romans. I'm sorry I didn't write it down. Um, but he says, don't you know that it's God's kindness that leads you to repentance. Ruth had experienced the kindness of Naomi that led her to that place to where she surrendered her life to God. She saw the kindness and she saw the testimony of the life of Naomi who had gone through such hard diversity and yet had not lost her faith. We need to remember that as well. 
When God allows things to come into your life, when there's a trial, when there's a, a struggle, when you get that, that horrible diagnosis that there is a, a grace that God wants to bestow through you to others as you go through that. And he will have blessings for you as well. And we'll talk about that in just a few verses. So Boaz answered her in verse 11 and said to her, it's been fully reported to me since the death of your husband, how you have left your father and your mother and the land of your birth and have come to a people whom you do not know, whom you did not know before. The Lord repay your work and a full reward be given to you by the Lord God of Israel under whose wings you've come for refuge. So Boaz says, you know, hey, it's been reported to me. News gets around quickly. We talked about it. if you live in a small town, everybody knows everybody's business. And this is another example, Boaz. But he also was a pillar in that community and he took it upon himself to know how his neighbors are doing. How, how are the people doing? Ruth's devotion to Naomi mattered and it, and it was noticed. He took notice of that. And Boaz was deeply moved. And so he says, look, this is, this is a little that I'm allowing you, but the Lord, may the Lord repay you fully. He has a full reward for you. You've come under the shadow of his wings. You've come to, for, to find refuge in this. Under, the, under whose wings you have come for refuge. It's a beautiful picture, isn't it? My wife, she just happened to be wearing this shirt today. If you see, she's wearing a sweatshirt and it has birds and the rains coming down like that. I thought, hey, that's a fitting picture for today. Because the imagery is, is probably that of a tiny bird snuggling under the wings of a mother. And it gives a picture just in this little verse of trust and security. David loved this in imagery as well. He used this same expression in some of his psalms, Psalm 17, 8 and 9. He says, keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me under the shadow of your wings from the wicked who oppress me, from the deadly enemies who surround me. Psalm 36, verse 7, how precious is your loving kindness, O God. Therefore, the children of men put their trust under the shadow of your wings. Psalm 63, 7 and 8, he says, because you have been my help, in the shadow of your wings I will rejoice. My soul follows close behind you. Your right hand upholds me. And so we have that, that image for us. We also have that invitation that we can go to the Lord in our time of trouble, in our time of trial, and find rest and find security and peace under the shadow of his, ring, his wings. Boaz is encouraging Ruth and commending her by acknowledging, look, you put your trust in the God of Israel. You left your former associates. You've come into a place where, where you're a stranger. And though she was very low in her own eyes, Ruth found protection under the wings of God. This is by commending her this way. Boaz was showing kindness and encouragement 
to a young believer in the Lord. She had just come into the, the fellowship of believers in Israel, following the one true God. And it's a great reminder for us to encourage others, especially young believers, to encourage them. You guys that are here today because of the youth that know the Lord, encourage those that are just coming, those that are seeking to seek, to find refuge under the shadow of his wings. Verse 13, then she said, let me find favor in your sight, my Lord, for you have comforted me and have spoken kindly to your maidservant, though I'm not like one of your maidservants. This is Ruth's kind, nice way of saying, thank you. Thank you, Boaz. You've, 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 she's no doubt overwhelmed by the compassion and the kindness. And so this is her way of saying thank you. Now, now Boaz is going to really show favor. And this is where a lot of commentators say, you know, Boaz begins to maybe take a, a little look at, at this woman, Ruth, and going, hmm, hmm. Now Boaz said to her at mealtime, verse 14, come here and eat of the bread and dip your piece of bread in the vinegar. I love that when you go to a restaurant and they put a little balsamic and they put a little olive oil and you have the bread and you can dip it in there and just, just very nice. So she sat beside the reapers and he passed parched grain. This would be the standard way they would, they would roast the grain. A pretty, pretty typical meal in those days. He passed parched grain to her and she ate and was satisfied and kept some back. Usually the gleaners were left to fend for themselves. You know, the Boaz, the leader, he's going to sit down with his workers and they're going to, they're going to have their meal and the gleaners are over off. They're kind of just taking their, you know, maybe they're rubbing the heads off of the grain and, and eating a little bit. You know, he says, no, come to my table. Here, sit here. And he invites her to eat the food that, that was provided for him. And, and there's so much that is given to her she can't, she can't eat it all, so she even saves some aside for later. Again, you know, we see this first hint of romance here. Boaz showed great kindness in this. It would be enough to just have invited her, but, you know, he's also inviting her to share fully in the meal. You know, even the privilege of dipping. You know, just go ahead. And that was a, a huge thing in those days. Because you didn't share a meal with somebody that was a stranger to you. Because there was this, this thought, this idea, as we're sharing part of this same meal, part of it goes into me and, and, and part of it goes into you. And so, so we, are, we are brought into a new relationship that way. Not quite like we see in the New Testament and when we, when we will celebrate the Lord's Supper. But in that there's an intimacy that Boaz is showing to her. That one as a stranger, she didn't deserve. So when she rose up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men saying, let her glean even among the sheaths. Now that was not something they should do. You know, they, the, the, the sheaves were, the, were, were, were after, they were, were, they were put together. That's when things, he says, no, let her glean and don't, and don't, Reproach her. Don't, don't make her feel 
ridic ridiculous or don't embarrass her. The word has the idea of ridiculous. Don't embarrass her. Also, he says, let grain from the bundles fall purposefully for her. Leave it that she may glean and do not rebuke her. In other words, he's saying, deliberately drop handfuls of stalks of barley for her so that she'd have an abundance. And don't rebuke her when she picks them up. You know, don't scold her, don't hinder her. You know, and I can just imagine they're going through the field and they're kind of joking and laughing and they're taking a little bit and going, you know, dropping it down. And, you know, and I can see, I can see Ruth going, oh, wait, 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 you dropped some. And like, oh, no, we got to keep going. You can have it, you know, and just, just, just the blessing. All this was above and beyond. This verse 16, I think, is a key verse for us. In the King James Version, some of you that, that have that know that it says, and let fall, verse 16, and let fall also some of the handfuls of purpose for her and leave them that she may glean them and rebuke her not. What a beautiful picture of grace, handfuls of purpose. Boaz wants to bless her, so he allows some grain to fall, supposedly on accident, so that she could pick it up. Warren Wearsby says, what a picture of the grace of God for us. The master became like the servants that he might show his love to a foreigner. Ruth had no idea that Boaz had commanded his workers to be generous to her, but she believed his word and found that her needs were met. For us, Jesus Christ came to this earth as a servant that he might save us and make us part of his family. He has shared with us the riches of his mercy and love, Ephesians 2.4. The riches of his grace, verse 7. The riches of his wisdom and knowledge, Romans 11.33. His riches in glory, Philippians 4.19. And yes, his unsearchable riches. Ephesians 3.8. We undeserving foreigners are members of the family of God and have all of his inheritance at his disposal. And God drops into our lives the handfuls on purpose. Those timely blessings that seem to come out of nowhere. Sometime we're in the midst of, of a, a, a struggle, a trial, something, and then God will just out of nowhere just drop this handful of purpose and we go oh, what a coincidence my son called us uh, earlier this week uh, Aaron he said please pray please pray he didn't say what he said please pray okay so we commenced to praying half hour later not a half hour later he says thank you God has answered our prayer so fast forward to yesterday Yesterday, yesterday was Saturday, so Friday night we're talking to them. And he says, oh, let me tell you what happened. So after we, had, we found out we, had, we were short $500, we had made an error. And it was like, okay. Usually in the past, this shows growth for them. Usually in the past, he'd go, hey, can we borrow $500? We said, well, we'll pray. So he, he didn't even ask. He just prayed. He knows now. He's learning the power of prayer. Keep praying for our son Aaron. 
And he said, within 20 minutes of that, I got an email from, and I forget what it was, saying that there had been an error or something, and, um, and they have uh, deposited them $500 in their account. Just like that. Handfuls of purpose. Praise God. I have so many stories, and I bet that might be something fun as we have our koinonia to share some of the handfuls and purpose that, that God has done for you out of the blue, and you just think, man, what a timely thing. So verse 18, 17, excuse me. So Ruth gleans in the field until evening and beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. An ephah is about, it's one of those, you know, depending upon which time, you know, so you can't get really precise volume, but it's anywhere from 10 to 20 liters or from like two, two and a half to, to a little over five gallons. So it's quite a bit. More than, more than just the day's food, several days. An unusually generous amount for one day of cleaning. And so, and that's besides all the barley grain, she has the leftovers from lunch. And so she brings this home and her mother-in-law sees this and she's like amazed. Ruth's return home brought a change to Naomi. And we'll see a change from her from this point on. Do you remember at the beginning or at the end of the last chapter, she comes back and she comes in to Israel and to Bethlehem and they're saying, oh, look, it's Naomi. And she goes, don't call me Naomi. No, Naomi means pleasant. Call me bitter. No, Naomi could only see the bitter hand that was upon her. And now she's beginning to see that God is a good God. He's a good, good father because he is providing above and beyond her, her wildest dreams. This, this change ends Naomi's emptiness and fills her with anticipation, with thankfulness, and with hope. Again, reminder, Naomi never lost faith in God in all her sadness, but she lost sight of the goodness of God, choosing to focus on her circumstances, not on God himself. Pastor Bob calls that stinking thinking when we start thinking about just those things and woe is me and everything like that. When we get our eyes off of God and we put them on ourselves, it's always woe. It's always yuck. And so from this point on, she's no longer Mara. She's Naomi again. She has her faith in the goodness of God restored. And she's going to take measures in the next chapter. And we're going to look at chapters 3 and 4 together next week. Because she's going to begin to see and notice what's going on with Boaz. And, and she's going to take some steps to secure that future. And so just to finish it out, and her mother-in-law says, where have you gleaned today? Where did you work? Blessed be the one who took notice of you. So before she even knows who it is, she's already blessing him now. Oh, praise God. Bless that one. Bless that one. And then she, so Naomi tells, she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked today and said, the man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. And then Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, blessed be he of the Lord who has not forsaken his kindness to the living and the dead. And Naomi said to her, this man is a relationship of ours, one of our close 
relatives. And we'll look at that close, that word close relative is a kinsman redeemer, goel. It means go, it's goel. And it's, it's, it's the one that was responsible in the family for, for, for three things. And we'll look at that next week because I want to make sure we, we close here quick so that Ted will have time for communion. But, you know, is this the same woman who came to town saying, you know, call me Mara. You know, oh, thanks for noticing me. You know, the whole Eeyore thing going on there. You know, and it, of course it is. You know, she, she's, she's no longer looking at her, her life and saying, I'm, I'm afflicted of the Lord. Now she's looking, oh, I'm blessed of the Lord. Now she sees more of God's plan unfolding so she can see better how all things are working together for good to those who love God. Just a sidebar, if you get a chance, go online, look at the message on Wednesday night. Pastor John Lucas did a wonderful job on Romans 8.28. That's that verse. So you'll be blessed. So... Verse 21, Ruth the Moabitess said, He also said to me, You shall stay close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to her, Daughter-in-law, it is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young men, his young women, and that people do not meet you in any other field. So she stayed close by the young women of Boaz to glean until the end of barley harvest and wheat harvest. And she dwelt with her mother-in-law. So she was obedient. There's two things that come out from here. First, her gleaning is going to cover two to three months of time. God was providing for her through this. Second, Ruth and Boaz would see each other almost on a daily basis. Imagine that. And they perhaps would get better acquainted during this time. But her home was clear. She was living with Naomi. That was her first calling to take care of her mother-in-law. The big question is, what would happen to the widows after harvest was over? And we'll find out more about that next week. Amen? Lord, we know that Naomi doesn't know what's going to happen. She hasn't read the book of Ruth. She doesn't know what's going to, to happen. We know the end, Lord. But, Lord, we know that God is up to something, and she sees it. And for the first time, Lord, in a long time, she sees that you are good and that you are at work. Lord, thank you, Lord. There are those times when we don't know what's going on, Lord, but we see that you are work at work, Lord. We may not be able to sense it, Lord, but we, we, we know that you are doing something. And Lord, thank you for those handfuls of purpose that you give us, Lord. Those, those blessings, Lord, that you provide for us in the midst of of whatever's going on lord those little reminders that you love us and you care for us lord lord may we go uh, and we as we come to the tables we contemplate those things lord may we have a greater love and appreciation for you in jesus name amen so brother ted